0: We've provided an outline for you to look at this morning. It hopefully will enable us to discern what God's wanting to say to us this morning. So last Sunday, we began a new set of series of messages on the family, more particularly things that have a way of intruding into the family and causing havoc and disruption in our lives. The title of the, me- of the series uh, is purposely Selected. It's a jungle out there. You think about the fact that that's the way we'd often describe life in the world. It's a jungle out there. Sadly, sometimes the jungle out there makes its way into our homes and creates creates all kind of havoc. We're looking at four ways that that happens. And we're using some metaphors from the jungle imagery to help us understand those. For example, last week we talked about the first one, And that was the elephant in the room. Now, in case you weren't here, let me just tell you what we talked about real quick. What is the elephant in the room? The elephant in the room is that family problem issue, that family reality that everybody knows is there, but it's off-limits to talk about. It's too awkward. It's too embarrassing. It's too uncomfortable. So we just don't talk about the elephant in the room. And because we don't talk about it, it is allowed to just roam around and do its destruction. A lot of us have elements in the room, in our homes. This morning, we're going to look at another predator that's equally devastating, and that is the 800-pound gorilla. A few weeks ago, you and I watched in horror and held our collective breath as we watched a little three-year-old boy who wandered into a gorilla enclosure at the Cincinnati Zoo. As we were watching that, We kind of held our breath because we knew at any moment that gorilla could either hover over that child and protect it or it in a single moment could rip that child's body to pieces. The zookeepers had a decision to make. Do they tranquilize it and hope for the best? Or do they take its life? They didn't have a whole lot of time to make a decision, so they opted... The decision they made, the right one, I believe, was to take the life of the gorilla. Because when it comes to gorilla, you can't take any chances. Most of us will never fall into a gorilla enclosure at the zoo. But some of us live in families and in homes where there's an 800-pound gorilla that wreaks havoc. The 800-pound gorilla is that family member who um, throws their weight around and uses control, tries to control or manipulate the rest of the family. We have heard that that joke, where does an 800-pound gorilla sleep? You know the answer. Where? Wherever he wants to. Sometimes our families have such a creature. What is the 800 pound gorilla? It's the person who always has to be right and who never admits that they're wrong. It's the person in the family who thinks that they know more about anything and everything, they're smarter than anybody else in the family, and they don't miss an opportunity to belittle others. It's the person in the family who always has to have the final word in any conversation, who always has to get his or her way. It's the person who always has to top everybody else. Members of the family can say, Well, let me tell you about an experience that happened to me. The 800 pound gorilla says, That's nothing. Let me tell you about my experience. It's the person in the family who expects everybody else to accommodate their schedule and always do what they want. It's the person in the family who uses sarcasm to put down others in the family, often in front of others. It's the person in the family who feels the need to control everything and they don't mind using fear or intimidation to do that. I don't know which families in here have an 800 pound gorilla living in the house, but I know that there are a lot of families that do. Truth be told, we've probably got several 800 pound gorillas in here right now. This morning, I want to tell you about an 800 pound gorilla in the Bible. And I want to share his story because, uh, in his story, it gives us some hope because it it reminds us that the 800 pound gorilla can be tamed and they can change. Let me tell you about this guy. He was brutal, he was uh, egotistical, he was arrogant, he was self righteous, he was self centered. He was prideful. He was hateful. Uh, this guy was uh, a horrible, horrible individual, mean. At the stoning of Stephen, one of Jesus' disciples, this guy was right there in the mix. He was leading the charge. As a matter of fact, uh, he had an obsession. He was a Jew, and he hated Christians. And to the point of uh, just an obsession. And uh, in Acts 9, the passage we read a moment ago, We're told that he was breathing murderous threats against Christians. I mean, this guy was bad. He was more educated than anybody else. He was arrogant. He was always bragging about how smart he was. Given his hate hate for believers, he goes to the high priest and he says, Listen, grant me permission to go to Damascus, a town about 100 miles away. I hear there's a lot of Christians that are up there. Let me go up there, put them in chains, bring them back down to Jerusalem. Let's put them in trial Put him in jail. So he goes. He's on his way to Damascus. Round up the believers. Along the way, the unexpected happens. Something like a great light bolt, maybe a lightning bolt, we're not sure, but just a great light surrounded him. And he he knocks him to the ground and he hears this voice. The voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul so looks around, says, Who is this? The voice says, This is Jesus, whom you're persecuting. The light was so blinding, so bright that it blinded him for three days. He couldn't see a thing. He and his entourage make their way onto Damascus. When he gets to Damascus, about that same time the Lord in a vision had spoken to a fellow by the name of Ananias. And the Lord said, Ananias, I want you to get up and I want you to go to Straight Street. There's a man there named Saul. I want you to introduce yourself. I want you to tell him about me. In the vision, Ananias says, Lord, I know this. I've heard about this person. He's a a gorilla. He's a bad person. He is mean. You're telling me you want me to talk to him about you? Are you sure? The Lord said, listen, I know everything about him. I know he's a horrible, mean-spirited person. He's arrogant. He's prideful. He's hateful. But let me tell you, I've chosen him. He is going to be the vessel that I'm going to use to proclaim the good news of the gospel to the whole world. Well, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to Ananias, but he's, he, he wanted to be obedient. So he goes, he finds Saul, lays hands on him and prays with him. For the next few days, they hang out together and Ananias tells Paul about who Jesus is and how Jesus can bring joy and healing into a person's life. As a result, Paul's sight was restored, but not just his physical sight, He came to accept Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, he submitted his heart to the the movement of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit entered his heart and life and cleansed him of his his evil and his, 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 his hate and his resentfulness. And gave him a heart of compassion and love. And no longer did he have any desire to round up those believers and bring them back to Jerusalem. But to love them and to become one of them. Years later, that same Paul, who was known as this brutal, mean, vicious gorilla, writes things like this. Get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, and every form of malice. Are you kidding me? This guy was the poster child of malice and anger and rage. He goes on to write, Be kind and compassionate to one another. The Holy Spirit took an 800-pound gorilla named Paul and turned him into a man of compassion and kindness and love who went on to become the greatest evangelist the world has ever known. And that story is important because it says to us that If the Holy Spirit can change somebody like Paul, he can change anybody and do amazing things in their life. All right, let's bring all this home to where we live. Some of us have an 800-pound gorilla living in our house. Some of us are the 800-pound gorilla. But the sad thing is, we don't even realize it. Some of us are so deep into our guerrillaness that we don't even recognize it anymore. But other people around us do. Paul had Ananias to speak truth to him. Ananias isn't here. Somebody needs to tell you the truth, maybe about what you're doing, about how you're relating to people in your family or at work. Or in the neighborhood. I thought about how to best do this. I thought, you know, I can have family members come up here and I could give them the opportunity to say whatever they want to say to the 800 pound gorilla in their family. But it occurred to me that family members probably are not prepared to do that or they'd be afraid to do that. So here's what I want to try to do this morning. Families, I would like to be your spokesperson and to say things that you might like to say to that other family member, if you could. Maybe between the three of us, we'll hear what we need to hear. Here's the first thing. I think there are families who would like to say to the 800-pound gorilla in the house this. Please value our opinions and don't always insist on having your way. Please value our opinions and don't always insist on having your way. You see, when the way you relate to your husband or wife, the way you relate to your son or daughter is to have power over them to always have to have your way, you're sending them a message that says, you aren't important. Your opinions don't matter. We're going to do things my way, and that's that. Well, How do you think people who live in that situation are going to feel? They're going to be resentful, they're going to be hurt, they're going to be angry. What happens when people in a home become filled with resentment and hurt and anger. One of two things is going to happen. Either they're just going to shut down and withdraw emotionally and not have anything to do with you, going to completely detach themselves from one another. And basically what you've got in the house is four or five people living under the same roof, but that's pretty much the extent of it. Or they're going to choose in the face of resentment and hurt and anger, to turn on you. And to yell and a scream and a fight. Listen, either option is not a good one. You can't have family harmony and peace when there's one person in the family who always has to have their way And it doesn't value the opinions and thoughts of others. If I were to distribute some 3 by 5 cards to members of your family, and I were to say to them, what is one Bible verse, what is one passage that you would like for that family member to read? What would it be? I think... They might write this. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Romans twelve three. They might write on a piece of paper, look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Philippians 2, 4. They might write, love... Does not insist on its own way. First Corinthians thirteen five. You know, a lot of times I uh, I have seen Christian men, Christian fathers and husbands, uh, unintentionally become eight hundred pound gorillas. Largely because they've been told or they've read the Bible says I'm in charge. The Bible says that I am the head of the home. The problem comes when they interpret that to mean I've got the power. But that is a gross misunderstanding of God's Word. What they need to understand is when Jesus talks about about leadership, Jesus' view of leadership is not about power, but about serving. Go read Matthew 20, verses 20 through 28. The one who is great among you is the one who serves. And the Christian husband is not the one who says, how can I control my wife? The Christian husband is the one who says, how can I serve my wife out of the love and respect and the honor that I have for her? The Christian father is not the one who says, you know, How can I dominate my, my children? But rather, he's the one who says, How can I serve the best interest of my kids by the way I love them and the way that I care for them? So that's the first thing I think families would say. to the the 800 pound gorilla please value our opinions don't always insist on having your way here's a second thing I think they would say sometimes you scare us please find a way to be kinder more patient more understanding. You see, when there's an 800-pound gorilla in the house, everybody else in the house lives on edge. They never know what's going to set you off. They, they never know what's going to you know, flip your switch and just cause you to go into a tirade. And so, they step back. They don't talk. They keep their distance. They keep their mouth shut because they know what happens when you get upset. Listen, that's no way to live. I'm a recovering gorilla. I'll just confess to you right now. Uh, Every so often, uh, the gorilla spirit tries to rise up within me. For the most part, I, I think I... Keep him pretty suppressed. But one of the most difficult things my wife ever had to say to me years ago was also the most helpful. Early in our life, was uh, in our marriage, we had the three little boys, and I was, you know, channeled in, focused in on my ministry and my career, and and uh, that was pretty much what 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 drove me. A lot of times I'd come home at the end of the day and I wasn't necessarily the nicest person in the world. One day, Becky decided that it was time to address the 800-pound gorilla. And she said, Stuart, i just got to be honest with you. Sometimes, you know, things can be going great at the house. The kids and I, were having a good day. But when you come home, all that stops matter of fact, Stuart, sometimes we dread you coming home because we know that you're going to be on edge and we need to watch what we say. You know, I broke my heart to hear her say that. And it made me realize that you know, there's that spirit of that gorilla in me that I've got to keep in check. And I've tried to do that. I probably hadn't done as good a job as that as, as I should have. But I share that just to say, don't think that the 800-pound gorilla is that aunt over there, or that uncle over there, or that parent, or that grandparent. It might be you. There might be some of that spirit in you. Well, how is an 800-pound gorilla going to change same way Paul did. By submitting to the power of Christ. By entering a relationship with Jesus Christ where daily you submit your heart, your life to Christ and allow Christ to live in you. Only Jesus Christ has the power to turn an 800-pound gorilla into a person of warmth and love and compassion and caring. The other day, when that gorilla was over that little three-year-old boy, zookeepers had a decision to make. They opted to take the life of the gorilla and spare the life of the child. They've been criticized for that. I think it was the right decision. The gorilla had to die. You know what? That's exactly what's got to happen with us. In order for us to become the person God wants and needs us to be in our families, the spirit of that gorilla in us has got to die. It's got to die. So that in its place can be put the spirit of Christ... Basically, Paul, this gorilla we've been talking about, that's exactly what he meant when later he said, uh, listen, I have come to realize that I have died with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And that's got to happen in every one of us. And Only when that happens, when we're constantly putting to death those spirits, those things about us that are contrary to God's will and allow the Spirit of God to live in us, It is only then that we will be able to experience the kind of life God desires for us and that our families need us to live. That's what happened to us in baptism. Through baptism, we die to self and we rise in Christ. But apparently, the new life in Christ, sometimes it's slow in coming. And so again and again and again, And again and again, we have to come to a place like this and kneel before God. Surrender yet again that part of us that's not under His control. Put that to death. and Take in the very nature of Jesus and allow Him to live in us.